If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you may have life in His name. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. I don't know why my Lord struck me with this, but I'm a sort of a neat freak. And it's really a joke when you have nine kids. <laughs> oh, if you could have seen my first year or two of the priesthood. <laughs> how my desk was so perfect and how everything was in place and how I felt so good and so proud to have such a clean space. And God, of course, in His great love for me, broke me and humbled me. And so as I'm walking out of the altar and I see this beautiful clean space, all the bay leaves are gone. And what do I notice? The three that are on the solea. (laughs) And I'm feeling anxious and I'm hoping the altar boys will pick them up as they go back in the altar after the homily. (laughs) That was a hint. Today is a very beautiful Sunday, the first Sunday after Pascha. We dedicate it to Thomas, one of the twelve apostles, and we even have a saying that comes out of this, and that is, don't be a doubting Thomas. It's important because there's a reason why our Lord Jesus Christ allowed him to be absent. But before I get into that, let me back up just a moment and just sort of set the, uh, the scene here. So if we back up a few days and we we put ourselves back to, let's say, Holy Thursday night, uh, when our, our Lord was betrayed in the garden and he was taken captive and taken to Pilate, um, and he was tried and convicted and whipped and scourged and on and on. This is something that was known and seen by the disciples, especially those who were able to go in and had the privilege of going in to, to witness this. 
But if you think of this whole scenario as it begins to unfold, <clears throat> you have these 11 men, because Judas Iscariot, of course, had betrayed him and already left and uh, was in the process of taking his own life. But as you think about these 11 disciples who had been with Jesus for three years in his public ministry, they witnessed many, many things. Uh, the least of which were, uh, you know, Jesus calming the wind and the waves and, and giving um, sight to the blind and healing lepers and uh, giving restoration of health to the, to the lame. But they also witnessed him raising the dead. And Thomas was one of those who witnessed the raising of Lazarus. He also witnessed the raising of the uh, widow at Nain, her son. He wasn't there to witness, but he heard about and fully accepted the, uh, the raising of Jairus' daughter. And so he, along with all those disciples, had witnessed many things in, in Jesus' public ministry. So this is something that you would think would begin to bolster one's faith and trust in him as he begins to perform all these mighty, mighty deeds and acts, not to mention just his teaching and his wisdom and, and his, uh, his ability to explain uh, the scripture to them. And so on the, on the night that he was crucified and, and when he gave up his spirit, it was soon thereafter that the disciples took off. But they didn't scatter in a sense if everybody went to their own place. They had the, uh, the wherewithal, I suppose you could say, to all gather into one place. And you can imagine the fear that was in their hearts and the confusion. And the doubt, perhaps, too, because here they have been with their master for these years and had witnessed these great things, and all of a sudden he seems completely helpless, completely defenseless. There was nothing he could do, it seemed, to save himself. Whether it was in the garden or the trial or the fact that they crucified him, and so this was, this was concerning, and this was frustrating, and this was... Uh, very difficult for them to understand. But there was a fear because they had the words of their master in their mind that they will smite the shepherd and the, the, the flock will be scattered. And, and also the saying that uh, they will uh, deliver you up and kill you thinking that they are giving a service to God. So these men had real fear. They had seen the, the Almighty, the All-Powerful, at least in their eyes, being crucified and, and, and murdered on a cross. And they had real fear. So they were in hiding. And, and John in his gospel explains this, that they were in a home together. It was a, a, a home with, uh, with stone walls. It had a door. It had locked. Everything was, they were in lockdown mode completely. And you can imagine them coming together and just trying to maybe make sense of what happened. Perhaps they were afraid of, for their own lives, for sure. Perhaps they were confused. Perhaps they started having doubts in terms of what Jesus had said to them at certain times. Uh, things were not adding up. And in addition to that, they knew that they were next. They knew that people were going to come after them and kill them also. <clears throat> so the beauty of the way that our Lord approaches people is, is amazing. And, and just as he approached the woman who was caught in adultery in such tenderness and such a non-judgmental way which converted her heart forever, he appears to his disciples in a way that would be the, less, the least threatening and the least fearful. Can you imagine if these guys were all in one room, sort of, you know, shaking out of fear, and they hear this knocking, hard knocking at the door? What would go through your mind at that moment? you probably would come out of your skin in a sense because you're thinking they're here, it's the end for us. So he doesn't knock on the door. 
In addition to not wanting to instill any fear in them, he simply appears to them in the room that they're in. And the very first thing that comes out of his mouth is, peace be with you. And it's not the peace, remember, that the world gives, like I feel peace when I'm sitting on a beach and I watch a sunset and I hear seagulls chirping. Okay, that's a temporary worldly peace that feels good. But in the midst of chaos and, and conflict, that peace goes away like that. But the peace from above that Christ gives, in the midst of terror and conflict, abides. This is why the, the, the saints and the martyrs had tremendous peace in the midst of lions. In the midst of, of times when they're getting ready to be run through with arrows and swords, they had all the peace because it came from Christ. So the very first thing that Christ does when he appears to them is he says, peace I give to you. And at that moment, guess what? They had the peace from above. And he showed them his hands and his side in order to bear witness that it's truly him. <clears throat> Thomas was missing from this though. And it's not for, for reasons. Thomas was someone who the Lord used just as he, in many ways, used Job to give all of us an example for centuries and centuries to, go, to come to see that suffering, if we endure with patience, that there are many blessings that come from that. And that even though we feel that we suffer many things, we know that God never abandons us in our suffering. So there are many lessons that come out of the story of Job. Thomas, on the other hand, it was very interesting because... When he met up with the disciples and they said they had seen the, the risen Lord, that he appeared to them, he wouldn't believe it. Now remember, this, this is the same Thomas who saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead and the widow of Nain's son. He knew about Jairus' daughter. He saw these things. He knew all of these miracles. But he still didn't believe. Maybe it was because he didn't feel like, well, he can do that to other people, but how can someone do it to themselves? He didn't believe for some reason. And before we... We jump on a bandwagon and say to ourselves, Gosh, what are you thinking? I mean, really, Thomas? I mean, if I would have seen those things, I would have believed. Think about that for a moment. Because I want to ask you a question, or maybe a couple questions. Have you ever, in your life, felt that God was present? Have you ever felt that God answered a prayer? Have you ever felt that God met a need that you had, or consoled you, or showed you something, or gave you a sense of peace that was beyond this world? Have you? I know it's a rhetorical question. I think all of us have. So the question is then, when things get really tough in life for us, why do we doubt? Why do we become really anxious? And get really worried about whatever it is because we're all Thomases. We do the exact same thing that he did. And this shows our human condition and our lack of faith and our lack of trust in God. Now this is a diagnosis and of course there's a remedy to that. Okay, But the, the, the point here is that our Lord was showing us that this is a part of our human condition. But even so, he is there to give us that peace from above. Because when he came back eight days later, the same scenario, the same setting, the same place, he appeared to them in the same way. He gently chided Thomas, but you know what? He said, peace be to you. He gave him the same peace. And Thomas experienced that peace. That peace is available for all people at all times if it is something that we truly desire and truly seek. One of the church fathers say, says that 
in our soul because really a lack of trust, a lack of faith, a lack of uh, um, belief in God torments our souls. How many of you like the feeling when you're really worried, really upset, or really anxious about something? How How many of you really enjoy that feeling? It's a tormenting feeling. We hate it. There's a diagnosis for it. There are treatment plans galore for it. Therapeutic modalities to try to cure people of it. This is not something that's natural to us. It's not something that feels good. Yet it's something that people suffer from. And and St. Paisios of the Holy Mountain says, this is one of the main things that will plague the world in the 21st century is anxiety. Because we are troubled about many, 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 many things. And like Thomas, we fail to believe and trust and have faith in God. Now, I don't want to minimize anxiety in terms of of, of something that is um, um, a a true chronic disorder, okay? Because I know that. But I I just want to speak to that of of which we suffer from really on a daily basis, but in sometimes minimal, sometimes not so minimal ways. That the peace that we desire can only come from Christ. It can never come from anything in the world. Unfortunately, we really try to reduce our anxiety through all sorts of worldly means. Whether it's drinking or watching a bunch of TV or getting on social media. We try to numb ourselves so we don't feel the anxiety. When in fact, that part of our soul that's longing, that, that has that sort of worrisome, troubled, anxious spot to it, desires to be completely healed of it, we turn to all sorts of things in the world to try to feel better. When the one thing that is needful is to pray. And, and, and the fathers of the church say that even that portion of our soul, that dark corner that has that sort of Thomas doubt that's deep and abiding and, and troublesome, even that part can be illumined. Okay? But this is something, and it's interesting because as I was reading more and more about this particular passage, this is an area where it's, it, it becomes for some and maybe for many that thorn in the side that we feel like we can never be rid of it, we can never get rid of it, we can never have a sense of true peace or at least long-lasting peace. We want it gone, but it's, sometimes it's, it's looked at as sort of that thorn in the side where the grace of God is going to be sufficient for us. And so then we're sometimes troubled because we think, well, does that mean that I have to then live with it for the rest of my life? And the answer is, well, we don't know what the answer is to that. We would certainly want to strive to always have that anxiety and that troubledness gone. And the the, the hope that we have is simply to ask Christ each and every day to increase my faith. Lord, help me to trust you more. Help me to have more faith in you. Help me to believe in you in all things. Despite my circumstances, despite whatever life throws me, give me the grace because firmness of faith is only by the grace of God. We have a measure of faith, but that deep firmness of faith is only by the grace of God. And he says we don't receive because we don't ask. We need to ask for these things. These things need to be daily petitions. Not just a simple petition. I think it's the second petition in the Divine Liturgy, in the Great Litany. For the peace from above and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. This is something we must pray for every single day. So that when we're faced with these things and we have doubt that begins to cloud our minds and worry in these things, that we can turn, do the sign of the cross and ask our Lord Jesus Christ, I have faith, I do believe, but please increase it. Because we want that peace to be abiding all the time.
So we strive for that and we ask for that. And this is the peace that Thomas eventually was given and after this was able to go into the world and with that, despite what the circumstances were, all of the disciples were able to go forth and to truly make disciples of all nations, which is something we're all asked to do. May he give all of us this increased grace in order to have this increase in faith, this trust and this belief in God, the Almighty God who himself rose from the dead and who rose others from the dead, who passed through walls, who calmed the sea. He has what it has, what it takes for us to increase these things. We need to ask him. Amen.